child is this? We've been using the uh, title of that uh, uh, Christmas carol, 150 years old this year. Uh, that's been our theme this Advent season. Uh, we, we asked that question, and uh, as we have, we've realized that this child is Jesus. He is the good shepherd. Uh, we found out that he is the king of kings. He's our high priest. He's our sacrifice for sin. Last week we focused on his complete obedience to God. He was fully human but also fully obedient. Now that song, uh, What Child Is This, mentions uh, uh, a lot of the characters from the uh, the Christmas story. Uh, Jesus, or the child, talks about this child over and over again. Mary is mentioned, the shepherds are mentioned, uh, angels, are even some of the barn animals are mentioned. Some of you have hesitated a bit singing the second line of verse 2, but that's okay. It's just another name for a donkey. It's okay. We allowed to say that in church just, just now, okay? But uh, as, as, we've, uh, uh, as we noted a couple weeks ago, the wise men uh, aren't specifically named, but they're referred to uh, in their, their gifts that they brought, right? Incense, gold, and myrrh. Uh, actually, if we're, if we're trying to build a whole nativity set, um, and all we had to go by were the characters mentioned or referred to in that song, What Child Is This? We could almost do it. But there is one main character that's missing from the song. Seems like a pretty glaring oversight. Um, anybody know who's missing? Joseph. He's not mentioned anywhere. Uh, there's no mention of this, this man who, who helped to raise the babe, the son of Mary, like the song says, right? Everybody else in the Christmas story gets there, uh, gets some airtime, makes a cameo in the song, but the, not the primary man who would love and invest himself in the life of this special child. And, and that song isn't the only place where Joseph kind of takes a back seat or, or even isn't, uh, isn't really, uh, uh, mentioned much at all. There, there's actually, There's actually a whole gospel, the gospel of Mark, the book of Mark in the New Testament, never mentions Joseph at all. So it tells the story of Jesus, never mentions Joseph. And and although the other gospel writers of Matthew, Luke, and and John all mention Joseph by name, uh, none of them ever record him having a speaking part. They never talk, never have Joseph saying anything. We know a little bit about uh, what Joseph did during the early years of his relationship with Mary and and into Jesus' uh, early life, Uh, but none of Joseph's words are are printed in Scripture. Uh, Only uh, Joseph's actions of of obedience and his care and uh, the fact that he was there, his presence uh, uh, are mentioned, but, but his words are not. So Joseph isn't mentioned in the song and, and his words are not present in the gospel text But Joseph's presence was felt and known at the manger. He was actually a big part of the story before the manger. And we know that Joseph was around for quite a few years after the manger. Uh, The book of Luke still mentions him at least up through Jesus' 12th birthday. Historians believe that Joseph uh, died somewhere in Jesus' late teens or early 20s, but not much is known about him. What we do know is, is that he submitted to God's will and he adopted Jesus as his own. So we ask the question, what child is this? Well, uh, one answer is that he is a child adopted by an earthly father who loved him. Now, we we don't have uh, the official records of Joseph adopting Jesus, but all evidence points to it. He's he's the one who uh, who would officially give the name Jesus to 
Jesus, uh, just like the angel told him to in Matthew 121. Um, Mary referred to Joseph specifically as, as Jesus' father in Luke chapter 2 when Jesus was missing and, and, and she, they finally found him. Mary says, your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Uh, referring to Joseph. So it's just, uh, we, we, we know that, that he was known as Jesus' father. People in the community knew Joseph to be Jesus' father. In John 1, the disciple Philip told his friend Nathaniel that they'd found the Messiah, and he said, this is Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Later, when people wouldn't believe in Jesus' divinity, uh, they, they, uh, they, they, they didn't believe him because they only knew him as, quote, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know, in John chapter 6. So everybody knew that, uh, that, that Jesus um, was Joseph's son. Joseph had adopted Jesus from, from the beginning. What child is this? He is the adopted son of Joseph. Adoption was part of Jesus' story. I think you all are, uh, most of you probably are aware that our family story is a story of adoption as well. Uh, forgive me if you've heard it before. I'll just give the highlights, kind of skim the surface. Uh, but we adopted both of our children as infants. Claire was born in Wichita, Kansas. Nick was born in San Diego, California. Uh, before each adoption, we did paperwork. I mean, a lot of paperwork, right? And, and we met with people and there were home studies to make sure that, that uh, our home was a fit environment to raise children. Uh, I was touch and go there for a little while, but uh, what we passed, and uh, of course there were, there were fees and deposits, and in addition to all the regular expenses of buying all the kids stuff, right, the stroller and the crib and the car seat and all the toys and all the stuff, right? Before each kid's adoptions, uh, we were all signed up, ready and waiting, but actually uh, each one, uh, we were waiting for a, a different baby, and the adoption fell through. The, the, the birth mother uh, changed her mind. Uh, family stepped in to help. Uh, I mean, it was great for those birth moms, uh, devastating for us. But through it all, we knew, we know that God was guiding and directing, and he had his hands all over the process, no matter how difficult it seemed to us at the time. So we, we, with both of our kids, we went through the whole adoption process, right? We, we paid the fees, we received the approvals, we stood before judges, we signed papers, and we officially became family. We will be family forever. Claire and Nick are ours. On our family tree, there is not a little asterisk with a little note at the bottom, well, these guys are adopted. No, they are fully and completely family. They are riders on good days and on bad days, days of, of great success and great failure, the highs and the lows, uh, days of, of funny jokes and, and hurt feelings, good behavior, arguing, happy times, times of discipline. Through it all, they have been our children. They've been fully and completely adopted. We are family. Adoption is our story. Several of you have versions of that same story in your families. There's stories of, of both heartache and love, devastation and faith, questioning and obedience. There are stories of, of children in need of a home and homes in need of a child. And that was Jesus' story. He was a child in need of an earthly father and Joseph adopted him as his own. And whether you have adoption in your family story or not, all of us can have an adoption story. We can be adopted into the family of God. Not only was adoption part of Jesus' story, but he has provided the way for our adoption into God's 
family. At, at the beginning of John's gospel, uh, uh, John is, is describing this child, Jesus, who was coming into the world, and, and he wrote in John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, but to all who have received him, those who believe in his name, he has given the right to become God's children. Children not born by human parents or human desire or husband's decision, but by God. The Apostle Paul wrote about uh, Jesus' adoption too. Uh, this, this Jesus who would become the savior of the world, a savior who, who offers adoption to us. Galatians chapter four, beginning in verse four, he says, but when uh, the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. What child is this? He's not only an adopted son, he is the one who makes our adoption into his family possible. Adoption language is, is all over the Bible. It's, it's a foundational truth of the good news of the gospel of, of God that this child Jesus made it all possible for us to be adopted into the family of God. There, there, there are a couple of interesting terms that, that I think we need to unpack as we're, as we're looking, especially at this passage in Galatians, um, and we, we think about this, this uh, love and, and adoption on this Christmas Sunday. The first term is that, is that, uh, that, that word sonship. Uh, it, it, in his day, um, uh, Paul used this term sonship, and, and I don't know, it kind of seems uh, like, uh, like it's pretty male-oriented in, in our culture today of inclusivity and gender equality, and, and we go, well, sonship, that's, that does, well, it's, it's actually a Roman legal term that Paul is using to, uh, to describe a child that receives full legal standing with all the rights and privileges of a biologically born son. I mean, it's actually pretty mind-blowing because Paul is talking, he says there's no, in this same uh, book in Galatians, there's no difference between uh, Jew or Greek, male or female, uh, slave or free. We're all, uh, we all can be adopted into the family of God. And then he uses this term sonship. It's not that there's degrees of, of where we are in the family. We can all be adopted as uh, having all the rights and privileges of uh, whether male or female or wherever we stand, we can receive all the benefits of a naturally born son in that, uh, as, as Paul saw it in that culture at that time. And, and so we think about the benefits. What, what are the benefits? Well, just thinking day to day, an adopted child uh, receives a lot of benefits, right? Uh, a roof over their head, uh, uh, food to eat, people to eat it with, uh, a place to sleep, shelter and warmth. Uh, uh, some of the benefits uh, that, that uh, an adopted child receive are, are the, the meeting of physical needs, of course, there are also relational benefits. Uh, uh, the adopted child now has a family, a parent or parents who, who love them, and, and maybe their siblings and extended family. And, and several times in the Bible, the, the, the word Abba is used. Um, um, it's an Aramaic term, and, and our closest translation is daddy. This, it indicates this close personal relationship that we can enter into with God uh, as we're adopted into his family. It's, there's relational benefits and, and then part of these benefits are, are also, uh, it, it's, it's an inheritance, right? An adopted child, according to this term that Paul's using in Galatians 4, um, the, 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 that adopted child has, uh, has an inheritance, an, an heir to, the, to the, the family assets, just like a biologically born child. 
I mean, he specifically lays it out there in that passage we read. Since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. And, and so we, we look at this child Jesus, this Advent season, adopted by a loving earthly father, and we're reminded that he has provided for our adoption into his family with all the rights and privileges of, of biological, legal children. We've, we have relationship with God. We can call him daddy. He provides for our needs and, and we are his heirs. We have hope for the future. Romans 8 uh, says that we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Um, Peter refers to this as an inheritance that, that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for us. We have an inheritance. I, I still remember still remember the judge in, uh, in, the, in the courthouse in Junction City, Kansas, uh, speaking directly to, to me as we were in there finalizing Nick's adoption. Sitting there in his, uh, in his little uh, carrier with a binky in his mouth, didn't have a clue what was going on. You know, the most important day of his life, but yeah, sleep through it, whatever, you know. But uh, um, no, he, we had walked through all the formality, and this was with, with both, the, both the kids, but it was a significant moment in, in that because this, this judge... Uh, really, really uh, kind of got down to brass tacks in a loving, gracious way. But we'd signed all the papers and done all the things and we'd waited the appropriate amount of time. And, and uh, it was just us and the judge. I don't know, it was almost like it was his, uh, um, his uh, lunch break. He get, gets rid of all this courtroom stuff and he just gets to, gets to meet with us and uh, finalize this adoption. And, and he'd been reviewing the paperwork and talking to us a little bit and asking a few questions. And then, and then he set the paper, I'll, I'll always remember it, he set the papers aside and he leaned forward and he, and he looked straight at me and he asked if I understood that this was gonna be forever. He, he explained that when Nick got sick, he was now our responsibility. When, when there were expenses, I needed to make sure we could pay those expenses. If, if there were difficult times in life, we needed to find solutions. If, if there was danger, we would need to provide protection. There was no going back now. This child was now family, just as if he had been born through biological means. Nick was our responsibility forever. We were to provide for everything he would need to grow up healthy and strong. Because of this adoption, uh, Nick was going to have all the benefits of being in the family. He had full rights as sons because he was our child. Now, incidentally, in three days, he turns 21, and I think we can wash our hands of the whole thing now, right? Oh, it's forever. He'll be a writer for the rest. And the same is true with Claire. Uh, the, the, the writers for the rest of their lives. And that judge that day gave me a, a picture of what I believe we need to be thinking about when we think about adoption into God's family. Our adoption gives us full rights as sons. The benefits are, are hugely significant. He provides for us now. We enjoy a relationship with the Father. And there's the promise of eternal life in heaven for eternity. This adopted child, Jesus, what child is it? Jesus, this adopted child, has provided for our adoption. Now, something else pretty significant took place when, when Joseph adopted Jesus and, and raised him as his own Jesus took on the family trade and, in essence, uh, the, the family name. 
Uh, now, I don't have any record of them uh, using last names back then, uh, but uh, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus, if there had been last names, probably would have been the Carpenters. I've got their Christmas album, and it's pretty good. I've been, I was listening to it this week. Uh, not those Carpenters, but they it was probably, you know, in, in uh, fourth grade, when they yelled out attendance every day at school, uh, they probably read Jesus Carpenter, and Jesus said, present, right? His... His last name wasn't Christ, I guess is what I'm saying. That was a, that was a title. Uh, his, 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 his family name, his family identity was Carpenter because uh, 90, man, almost all uh, kids who were uh, born back in that day uh, just stepped right into the family trade and therefore the family, uh, that, that was the family name. That was the identity of the family. We, we know that Joseph is referred to as a carpenter. Uh, it appears that after Joseph died and before Jesus started his ministry, Jesus was a carpenter too. Uh, that uh, being the firstborn, that would have been uh, especially expected of, of him. Uh, in Mark 6, when the people are uh, in his community are having a hard time wrapping their minds around Jesus being the Messiah, they said, isn't this the carpenter? Not, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this the carpenter? Mark 6, 3. Uh, all indications are that Jesus, for a season, took on the family trade and, in essence, the family name, the identity of the family. And that's what happened legally when our kids' adoptions were finalized. They took on the family name. Uh, that's uh, that's uh, related to something else that is included in this concept that Paul's talking about of sonship in uh, in the, the 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 Roman custom of the time. It has the connotation of of likeness or resemblance. Usually it's biological children that, uh, when we talk about resemblance, right? Oh, she has your eyes, or, or he has his father smashing good looks, or uh, she, she holds her head just like her mother, or uh, he's going to be tall, just look at his father. Yeah, the resemblance, uh, biological parents, the children resemble their, their parents. Uh, it's, it's just science, right? Uh, Claire has some Korean uh, blood in her biological line. Man, when she was little, we'd go into a, an Asian restaurant of some sort, they saw it immediately and, and uh, would come over and, oh, is she, is she Korean? Is she Asian? And, and would talk, uh, talk about that. Uh, did not resemble us. Uh, Nick is half Hispanic and half black, and you can tell. Uh, he doesn't look like his very white parents. And uh, uh, adoption is not usually associated with resemblance. But Paul says <laughs> that when we're adopted into the family of God, we get to take on the family name. And so to speak, uh, the connotation is that we will resemble our father. Part of that resemblance is given to us. And part of it we need to live up to. Uh, you, you probably know the name George Foreman. He's famous for a lot of things. Boxing champion, uh, pitch man. We've got one of his grills at our house. Um, and he also is famous for naming all five of, all five of his sons George. Uh, when he's been asked why he gave his sons the same name, he usually first just quips something like, if you'd been hit in the head as many times as me, you'd want to make life as simple as possible too, right? Uh, but if pressed on it, he, he answers this, I named my kids George because I wanted them all to remember who their daddy is. There's a, there's a relational component to that. Remember who your daddy is, but there's also an expectation to maintain, right? 
In remembering who their daddy is, George's sons have an expectation to live up to that name. And we not only get the privileges and and the benefits of adoption into the family of God, we are also expected to act like we are children of God. 1 John chapter 3, uh, verses 10 and 11 in the message says, uh, here's how you tell the difference between God's children and the devil's children. The one who won't practice righteous ways isn't from God, nor is the one who won't love brother or sister. A simple test. A simple test. Uh, Sin has no place in the family of God. A a big thing every family deals with is obedience. Just as a parent gives a a child certain rules for their, their own good and for their protection, our Father God has given us things we need to abide by in order to, uh, to uh, have uh, for our own spiritual good. As part of the family, we need to obey God's direction. We talked about that last week in Jesus' full and complete obedience to his Father. There are amazing privileges and rights as children of God, and there are also responsibilities to live up to, to be righteous, to love one another. Adoption is a is a big deal. It changes everything. God plucks us out of the problems and the difficulties of sin and he opens his home and he opens his heart to us. We can enjoy a a daddy-child relationship now and an inheritance in heaven for all eternity. And as we live in that relationship, we resemble our father more and more. His character is developed in us as we follow the leadership of the spirit and we avoid uh, sinful behavior and we obey his direction it's a it's an amazing picture of God's work in our lives and we benefit so much from being adopted by God but adoption isn't just about the benefits for the child I mean Jesus benefited greatly from being adopted by Joseph and and our kids have as well whether they know it or not right Uh, but uh, but 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 uh, so did Joseph benefited greatly so if so have we Adoptive parents are the recipients of the love of their children. I mean, and not every day is a fairy tale, right? But, but there's joy in parenthood. And although a, a high price has been paid uh, emotionally, physically, financially, we are experiencing a joy that we never would have known had we not entered into this journey of adoption. There's benefit to us as parents as well. And the same is true of our Heavenly Father. Maybe we don't think about this much, but God delights in the relationship that he has with his children. Despite the high cost of Jesus' death, there is is joy for God when we choose to accept his offer of adoption. Luke 15, 10 says, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of God, the angels of God over one sinner who repents. God the Father delights in his children. He loves you. Well, even though... Joseph gets skipped over in the carol and he doesn't have any speaking roles in scripture whatsoever. He still inspires us with the truth of adoption. His faithfulness to adopt Jesus as his own paints a wonderful picture of what's possible in our relationship with God. What child is this? He's an adopted child who has provided for our adoption. So on this Christmas Sunday, we have the chance to evaluate if we have taken God up on his offer to adopt us into the family. 
We have the chance to evaluate whether we're, quote, living up to the family name, if there's a resemblance, if, if God's character is being developed in us. We have the opportunity to, to dwell on and, uh, and appreciate the fact that while we were yet sinners, God sent his son so that we could be children of God, co-heirs with Jesus, with all the benefits and rights and responsibilities that that entails. Jesus, an adopted child himself, provides for our adoption into the family of God. Father God, we can call you Father. You've provided for our adoption into your family. Lord, I thank you for Joseph, who was so obedient to, uh, to, to, to kind of take a, take a back seat, so to speak, in this whole story. And yet, his example shines so brightly. We thank you that you have provided for our adoption because of uh, Jesus, your son, who was adopted by this righteous man, Joseph. And Lord, I pray today, as we, uh, as we focus on you, and as we think about what you have done for us and the offer that you give us, Lord, I pray that, that we would take you up on that offer and to respond in obedience, to say, yes, I want to be a child of God. Lord, I, I pray that, that, that you would indeed come as Emmanuel, God with us, that you would make yourself at home in our hearts and that we could worship you from the depth of our being. Lord, as we walk through this week, I pray that you would help us to to not just celebrate the traditions of the season, but that we would celebrate you, that we would recognize and know that you are with us, making all the difference. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.